Hello and welcome to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I am your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Hello and welcome back. I am recording this podcast outdoors. It is September 9th, so we have 11 days until the sun goes to the other side of the equator and it is less strong. So if you are listening to this when it airs in one week, you have four days until the sun is significantly less strong. So I'm outside recording it for that reason. It's a beautiful day. I br- I just love to bring my standing desk out here when I can. And so maybe you'll get a little bit of ambiance from the crickets and the birds and just all the things. I'm not sure how well that picks up through the mic, but I... Um, yeah, I'm excited. Today I want to talk about metabolic flexibility. It is something that this week I had talked about on my Instagram and I've kind of been talking about it a little bit more. And I just think that it's really super, super important. And it's not, it's something that, you know, I really didn't realize the true importance of until uh, probably the last few months or so. It's especially with all of these things with this virus and metabolic health. It's it's exposing a lot of people in our population who really, you know, I mean, on paper they might be quote unquote healthy, but metabolically that is telling a different story. And I want to just put this information out there so that you can be in the best metabolic health that you possibly can. And maybe reevaluate some things because if I'm being totally transparent, I definitely was not the most metabolically healthy, even though I've never been to the point where I was overweight. Maybe I, there were definitely points where I was overweight for what I feel good in my body, but you don't have to be overweight to not be metabolically healthy. I see that a lot within the bodybuilding industry or just especially the macro community. Uh, You know, people are quote unquote in shape and they looked jacked and muscular, but they are not metabolically healthy. And I'm going to kind of explain why and what it means to be metabolically healthy, what metabolic flexibility is, how that's important, how that can fit into things um, like fasting and fuel source swapping. So going uh, in between carbs and fat is a major fuel source, which if you think about it is very advantageous and I'm all about building resiliency. I'm all about being the absolute best that I possibly can. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. And in the context of metabolic health, we can think of, well, what does that, what does that actually mean? So when I think of metabolic health, I think of how efficiently is our body absorbing, utilizing nutrients, which are then, you know, how signaling the hormones and all of those kind of things and things that we can look at in terms of metabolic health for, you know, physical lab markers can be things like a fasting glucose, two hour postprandial glucose, you can look at fasting insulin, you know, um, you can look at your triglyceride levels, especially so LDL totally gets a bad rap where if you are eating higher fat in your diet, you are just going to have higher LDL anyways, you know, naturally, but it's all about that LDL to HDL ratio. So, these are all important reasons why it's really important to work with somebody functionally and somebody who is thinking of these things because, because honestly, I feel that the standard quote-unquote medical ranges that we have for these are more just how you're not preventing disease and how you're living quote-unquote disease-free, whereas the ranges that they're giving to people are not, 
optimal and functional ranges. So those are the ranges that I go by, which I think that is very important for us to know what those ranges are so that we know how to look at them. So for example, I like people's, uh, I like people's fasting glucose to be 70s to 90. That is a good level to be at. Whereas uh, the American Medical Association says anything below 100 is good. I don't like when people are creeping up in the upper 90s because it's just not optimal. It's it's not the best that it can be. So I go by more of the functional ranges because, like I said, the AMA, the American Medical Association, if you're below 100, that's okay. If you're creeping above 100 to 120, that is considered prediabetes, and 120 and above is considered diabetes. So do I want people to be up anywhere near there? No. Like, And if they are up there, that definitely does warrant issue and there is definitely some extreme insulin resistance going on and before I go any further I'm going to throw the probably the term insulin resistant and insulin sensitive around quite a bit and because that is a huge determining factor of metabolic health and when I'm talking about kind of these subclinical people that I'm seeing that you know they're not going to their doctor and they're not being you know told they have diabetes or prediabetes but they do have insulin resistance they're not really told what that means so what that means is insulin resistance is essentially think of like a screaming kid who is not listening to their parent it's you know insulin is constantly banging on the cell wall cell wall is not taking it up and so insulin is just continuing to be floating around because nobody wants to take it in and that is essentially what is happening when we're insulin resistant is our insulin is not being taken up by the cell. Therefore, it's just circulating. And that's why you have higher fasting insulin, you know, and all of those type of things. And it is much, 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 much more common than you might think that it is. I, I see it in people who you would not even think. I mean, they, they look healthy otherwise, but it's this is the real pandemic here is insulin resistance and metabolic dysregulation and metabolic unhealth. It is extremely prevalent. So my goal of this podcast episode today is to really just help you kind of do a little deep dive in yourself and kind of troubleshoot where you might be struggling, where you can get a little bit better and how you can optimize your metabolism for optimal function. And so, you know, glucose and insulin are not, they're not bad guys. We need them. They are a necessity, but again, when they're out of whack, it causes a whole slew of different issues. You know, it's we, we talk about everybody wants the, the key to anti-aging and everybody wants to do these fancy Botox and creams and all of these ter- like topical and internal things. But literally the best way to have anti-aging is to keep your insulin and glucose in check because when it's too high, that's a huge way that we age faster than we'd like because of advanced glycation and all of these end products that this will create and cascade to it creates all this inflammation, which internally is making people look a lot older than they really are. And not saying that these people health, healthy looking people who are coming to me who do have sm- like slow little bits of insulin resistance creeping up, they don't look old, but I'm just saying over time, I mean, most people are going undiagnosed for years and years, whereas this can be totally something that you can stop. This can be totally something that you can manage through diet and lifestyle. And that is why I truly believe that this pandemic is diet and lifestyle rooted because we have 100% the capability without supplements or herbs or anything other than food and lifestyle, we can control how insulin sensitive we are, decreasing insulin resistance, helping to improve that metabolic flexibility. So the reason that this is important and how you can kind of tell if you are experiencing even kind of like subclinical points of 
metabolic inflexibility because that's kind of what I'm going to transition into now. So metabolic, uh, metabolic flexibility is like I was saying in the beginning, it's your ability, your body's ability for you to both burn carbs and burn fat or burn ketones. And most people think that it's kind of one or the other. You're on a keto diet or you're on a carb diet. You know, there's most people don't think of it as you can be both, but optimally you should be both. Your body should be making ketones when you're not eating. But when you eat carbs, your body should be able to burn, utilize those and go through them, use them for energy without creating a inflammatory cascade of high insulin, high glucose. So metabolic flexibility when you're, you know, whenever you're not eating, your body is can make ketones, uh, especially like if you're fasting overnight, that is, you know, you should wake up and kind of be in a natural state of ketosis. But then, you know, you go about your day and you eat some, you eat a carb source and you just utilize it. You don't get crazy blood sugar spikes and it's it, your blood sugar stays level because your body is constantly going in between this, this level of ketones to carbs, ketones to carbs. And that is really ancestrally going back to last week's episode how we would have eaten, you know, there would have been times where, you know, there's no food, their body's producing ketones, but then maybe they'll find some berries or there's some sort of vegetable or fruit that's available and they have some carbs that kicks them obviously out of ketosis, but their body is flexible enough to be able to burn those carbs, not store them as fat and then switch back and forth. That is literally the most optimal way that we can get our body to work. And a lot of people don't do that. So how can you tell if you aren't metabolically flexible? Well, like I was saying, I'm not perfect. I used to be here. This is, I think, really rooted in the bodybuilding world where we're just told that we need to eat every few hours to maintain our muscle mass, you know, constantly need to be eating, you know, super, super high carb diets, lower fat, um, you know, boneless, skinless meat. I think that, that those are all kind of my personal opinions on why this is occurring, but you can tell if you aren't it's optimally metabolically flexible if you're constantly craving things every few hours. If you need to eat every one to three hours, you are definitely not metabolically flexible because after a meal, you should feel satisfied. Your blood sugar should be, you know, it's going to naturally go up after a meal, but it should slowly go down to the point where it's not feeling like a crash, where if it's feeling like a crash, you're going to feel hungry and you're going to want to eat or or you're going to need to eat again, where if it's kind of going it's going to go up naturally, but it should go down slowly. And then you feel calm, cool, collective, steady, ready to go. Um, if you're feeling the constant need to eat every hour to three, that is not sufficient. Um, or, I mean, it could be telling you you might not be eating enough at your first meal, but likely that's not the case. But anyways, um, so that's a huge symptom, especially if you are experiencing lots of carb or sugar cravings. I mean, gosh, that's, that is a huge Huge indicator that you uh, that your body's asking for more because you're constantly going through those blood sugar spikes. If you're having that mid-afternoon lull where you could either take a nap or you're craving something or you're ravenously hungry, that is, again, not metabolic flexibility because in an ideal world, maybe you get busy, maybe you don't have time to eat something. Your body should, like when your body's optimal, if you get so crazy, you skip a snack or you skip a meal, your body should be able to tap into fat storage and use that for fuel if you're not eating. And that's kind of, it's honestly the best type of food freedom, in my opinion, is to be able to like leave the house. I obviously bring food with me when I'm gone for the whole day, but if I'm just gone for a few hours, I don't need to pack my bag full of stuff because if I eat a sufficient amount of nutrient dense food before I leave, I know that I'm going to be sustained for whatever I'm going to do. And 
I, I think of this a lot when we hike. I mean, we obviously pack snacks when we're hiking, especially I find that higher fat snacks do best for us because, you know, we're on hikes for six, seven, eight hours. So it's sustained long time, long-term energy. But through a lot of that time, like when we're just hiking and if we forget, if we don't want to stop at the top and hang out there forever, you know, we'll just, we tap into our fat stores as we're hiking. And that's why we don't crash and fall down the mountain because we're having a blood sugar, uh, you know, swing where we feel the need to eat something, you know? So it's, it's really, really important to just be able to give you that food freedom that a lot of people don't have. They feel like they always need to be eating or they're always thinking about that next meal. And I, I hear you. I love food. I, I love the feeling of making my food. I love all everything that goes in with preparation and how I can make it taste amazing. But my, my life does not no longer revolve around it. I, I don't need to schedule things around eating and have a purse filled with fast snacks. Like I remember in chiropractic school, I almost remember eating almost, almost every class. And I was in class from like eight to six. I would always be eating something or drinking something. And that also goes into effect is when you're constantly, you know, you eat breakfast, but then you take your coffee with sugar and cream and your mocha pumpkin spice latte, whatever the hell is in season right now, you take that to work and you're sipping on that. So that's multiple like spike, 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 spike. And then you eat your lunch spike. And then you eat a snack spike. And then you wonder why you have an like an afternoon craving when you've just been going on a blood sugar roller coaster throughout the whole entire day. It's it's kind of no wonder why, you know. So uh, if you if that is you, that is okay. That is one hundred percent okay because I've been there. I've 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 been there, and there are definitely ways that you can kind of reverse it. And so some really simple tips that I have, and just starting to help reverse that metabolic inflexibility and that kind of carb dominance that you're experiencing, you know, is, is to one, make sure that there's adequate fats in your diet because, you know, I know that carbs and fats are both wrongly demonized in the health and fitness community. It's, it's either you're one or the other, you're in camp carb or you're in camp fat. And apparently you can't be in both camps. You know, you're in one or the other, you're either on a really high fat diet or you are on a, uh, low carb diet and it's kind of it. And, and I, th- I think that it's, a, it's a healthy balance of both, but we definitely need more fat in our diet. 100%. We need more healthy fat because healthy fat is a really great way to help re kind of set your insulin levels a little bit, especially if you kind of bring down your carbs more to a more moderate level or even a low level. You know, I consider low carb for females around a hundred and males about 120 and then lower than that can get you kind of more into, you know, states of ketosis and, and whatnot, depending on the person and training ability and, and all of those kind of things, but you don't have to decrease it to zero because like I said, we, we need them. And to give you the automatic flex or that, that flexibility that we want, you can still eat them, but bringing them down a bit to raise fat, to help stabilize blood sugar. Fat's also really great for satiety. So if you're not feeling satisfied after meals, because you cook your vegetables and Pam spray and you eat like boneless, skinless chicken breast and there's zero fat. I mean, one, yuck. <laughs> Two, you know, there's no, there's no fat soluble vitamins there to actually help you even absorb what you just even ate. So I, I truly think that that also goes along with it. Like fat is one, very satiating. The taste of it is very rich and, and satisfying in itself. But two, we need the nutrients that come from 
fat sources to even absorb the other nutrients that we're eating in food. So that's why I believe in nature, fat comes with a protein source. We just man make it and we chop it off and make it as lean as possible. But if you were to get fat, you know, on an animal in the wild, there's going to be fat that accompanies it because that's, it's going to help you absorb more nutrients. It's going to help you feel more satisfied. And I don't know, that's just kind of my soapbox with all of that. But so I would kind of, I would look at your carbs, see what you're eating. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to eliminate them, bring them down, just make sure there's adequate fats in there to help stabilize it out. Fats and protein are going to help stabilize that out. That's very important. Protein is also something that is, is very lacking in people's diets and people 100% need a lot more of. So it's not a bad idea to look at both of those, kind of see where they're at. Number two is to start weight training or resistance training if you aren't already. Super important um, because you're going to, you're going to, excuse me, you're going to make more room in the muscle tissue to take up carbs for storage form, which is glycogen, storage form of carbs in the muscles, glycogen. But every cell, every cell in your body, including your brain and your muscles and everything has insulin receptors. So, but it's just important to make sure that we're not overdoing it. You know, glute four receptors on your muscles are going to help you take in, modulate that glucose, use it for fuel in your muscle cells. And that's why weight training and resistance training can be so, so, so amazing for modulating this and creating really healthy, uh, a really healthy metabolism. And plus the more muscle mass that you have, the more calories that you're going to burn at rest. It's just kind of a win-win muscle mass is key for longevity and just health. It looks amazing, obviously. Uh, and it's, it's also has a ton of health benefits. And I, I primitively think that that is why it looks so appealing because we are drawn to things that look, we are the way that, I don't know how I want to say this. We're drawn to things that look appealing because they have actual health physiologic effects. So you're drawn to someone with beautiful skin because the skin is telling you what's going on in the inside. So the reason that someone with beautiful skin looks amazing is because what's going on in the inside, we're attracted to the, obviously the skin, but sub subconsciously it's a marker of they have really um, like profound health on the inside because our skin is a marker of that or muscle mass, you know, they're, they're strong enough to be able to do labor that needs to be done. Or, you know, it's because muscle is such a key to longevity. It is, I, I really truly think that that's why it is, it is a very aesthetically pleasing thing to look at. But again, that's just me. I, 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 I don't know. That's my hypothesis. Um, other things that you can do for metabolic flexibility, you can like hot, cold contrast are really, really good for stressing the nervous system. Like a cold shower is really, really good for that. Um, believe it or not, it's a, it's a stressor on the body, but it's kind of also giving you that reset. So whether it's a cold splash on your face, cold shower, all the way to cold, especially after a sauna session, that is my absolute favorite. Uh, you know, I think that that's definitely super, super beneficial and just keeping track of how you feel, um, is, is important with all of this, you know, and, and then last on this is going to be including some type of time restriction or fasting. So not eating every one to three hours, you know, spreading your meals apart three, four or five hours, you know, especially if you're going to eat, if you're intermittent fasting and then you are kind of spacing out your meals, it is important that you need to get caloric and nutrient dense foods in there, which when I'm working with people, that is our primary goal because we don't want to, the problem that I see with people intermittent fasting is their windows too small and then they're eating like a bird and then their metabolism shuts down. The key with it is you, you still have to get adequate amounts of calories in order to do it right. And, and 
that that can be a challenge for people. So that's why I really recommend that you work with someone who who can help troubleshoot this stuff with you because you can damage your metabolism if you are just eating, you know, a thousand calories in a few hour window. So it's, it's fasting is great. It just has to be done the right way. Fasting is incredible for blood sugar. It's incredible for resetting insulin. And it is something I really highly recommend. I work a lot with it for my PCOS patients, for patients who have this kind of subclinical insulin resistance going on, you know, otherwise they look healthy, but it's just, it's a great tool that we can add in to just kind of help reset. And, and I feel like it it really does help them with their nighttime cravings. They don't get that crazy blood sugar swing. It's really, really important. And, um, they experience other benefits with it as well. And so those are definitely things that I would focus on when it comes to, you know, your metabolic health and, uh, ways that you can just start incorporating things into your diet and life. Now, um, walking after meals can be phenomenal for modulating that healthy insulin spike and getting glucose, you know, shuttle to the muscle, you know, not creating that huge spike, which will then save you and not create that huge crash, which we don't want. And then, uh, apple cider vinegar, there was a really cool study that I read with PCOS if I can find it, I'll link it, but um, I, I don't remember where I put it. I, I was reading it a few weeks ago. Uh, for people who experienced PCOS, those who did a teaspoon and water after dinner showed a significantly lower glucose spike post-dinner meal, which therefore helped their PCOS. Because if you don't know PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, a major driver of that disease is metabolic health and insulin resistance. So when we can tackle that, the rest kind of goes away, which is interesting. And that's kind of why it's so important to get to the root of all of these issues is because it really does make a huge impact when you actually get to why this is even happening in the first place. So those are places where I would start. But I just want to like tell you, if you were feeling discouraged because you do feel like you have to eat every second and you know, you do have these horrible carb and sugar cravings that it's, or, and you, and maybe you have some weight that just doesn't want to come off because you're doing everything you possibly can. You're counting your macros, you're working out, you're doing all these things, but it's still not coming off. There could be some underlying form of insulin resistance kind of going on a metabolic inflexibility. So, you know, take a look at what's going on. Take a look at your lifestyle. Stress management is also huge because stress is going to, it's going to raise insulin And, you know, that's why it's, that's why I take a holistic approach when I'm working with people. I don't just put them on a, a I don't just throw keto diets around, or I don't just put everybody on a low carb diet. I do find that if you're struggling with insulin resistance, it can be a lower carb, higher fat approach can be very beneficial to, to, to kind of reset everything. But then my goal is to get you back to a point where you're eating foods that you like to eat and we can fit things in, in moderation and, and because when everything's working properly, you're able to manage that without any issues. And it's not hindering your goals. It's not hindering your hormones. It's not hindering your life. And I think that that is the type of freedom that most people in this world honestly need. We need that food freedom. We need, we need to just be able to be in balance with our metabolism. And if there's one thing that we've learned from this whole last, I don't even know, has it been eight months since this all started happening, is that this is an underlying disease virus, you know, it's attacking, it's, it's, it's really showing us how unhealthy we are as a society and even quote unquote, in these healthy people, you know, it's, 
checking your blood markers of those things that I had listed are really important. So if you have a primary care visit soon, ask them to run those on you. You can get tests at home, Quest Diagnostics, Genova, LabCorp. Um, there's so many places you can run these on yourself at home. I like to use the continuous glucose or I, continuous glucose monitors are amazing or I'll just do um, glucometers two hours after a meal with people to see how certain foods react to them. Cause that's another thing is everyone's so bio-individual. Some people have huge spikes from pineapple. Some people have none. Some people have huge spikes from things like potatoes or cereal or bread. And some people don't have any. So it's really important to find that diet that works best for you. And that's not going to be putting you on this roller coaster of a mood energy and everything all day long. So be mindful of how certain foods make you feel. I think that's really important and not something that people think about. If you're feeling tired after meals or if you're feeling that lull in energy or starving soon after meals, it's, it's kind of a good idea to think about, all right, how is this food affecting me? You know, write it down and then remember, does this food, did this food impact me like this last time I ate it? Well, now I'm going to eat it again and I w- I'm going to take note and I'm going to really pay attention if it does. Because if it does, it's, it might not be serving you or it might temporarily not be serving you. You know, so I think that, those are all really important things when it comes to metabolic health and metabolic flexibility. And my goal is, is to get people to that level where, you know, they, you can, you can go in between food sources, you know, like I, if we get up and we get going on a Sunday and I don't get to eat until later in the morning, I'm not, I'm not hangry anymore. And hangry is a huge thing that I definitely used to be because that's a blood sugar swing. And you, I, you know, when you're, cool, calm, collective, steady, and you know, you're not up and down. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it feels so good. And then I just eat, I'm a little bit more hungry and I'll definitely eat a little bit more, but I'm not, I'm not going through these crazy swings. And and I definitely can tell that I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot. I've done a lot, you know, and and it's, it takes time. I can't tell you that, you know, you'll listen to this and then, you know, you'll reach out to me a week later and be like, oh my God, I started fasting. I did all these things. I dropped my cards and I already feel better. You might, you, t- you might, but it does take time. And, and I think that that's, again, something that people just don't want to put in the work of all of these years of creating this, you know, it takes a little bit of time to kind of undo it. And, and I think that that's just a really important thing for people to know is that healing in general takes time, especially healing for things like this take time because it could be impacting your hormones and your gut health. It could, it's creating like low level inflammation, which that's all going to take a little bit of time to clear out, but no fear. It is totally possible to get yourself to optimal metabolic health, optimal metabolic function. You know, weight is not going to be a stressor anymore. Food is not going to rule your life. You won't feel these constant crippling cravings that I, I I hear all the time from you know, people that they experience and it's super hard to, to break from, but it's totally possible to, to be to that point where you are no longer controlled by all that because you've reset your metabolism. You've reset all that stuff and you're, you're going to be so much better for it. You know, Alzheimer's dementia, those are what we're now calling diabetes type three diabetes of the brain. Because like I was saying earlier, your brain has insulin levels, you know, whatever you're doing now is helping you in the long term. whether it's to prevent diabetes, you know, hypertension, dementia, Alzheimer, cancer, these are all metabolic diseases that from one way or another, we have some type of control over. And some people need, you know, further digging and further testing to just make sure that they are getting it all in line. And some people, you know, can really just start with the tips that I said today and 
really start making a difference because I wish that, so 26, I, I wish that I even started doing this a few years ago. I started really being kind of part of this lifestyle three-ish years ago, but really until recently, I've really been adamant about the fasting and, you know, time in between meals and, you know, really making, pushing myself to be more adapted both for ketones, fat, and as well as carbs. I, I, I really like to be able to go back and forth and, and that did take time for me, but I'm just coming here telling you about personal experience. It felt amazing. Just a reminder, none of this in this episode was medical advice. You know, I just want to share with you guys what I've been finding, what I've been seeing working with people one-on-one, what I've been seeing in myself, what I'm seeing in the literature, what I'm seeing firsthand help metabolic health. And I just wanted to bring that to you guys so that you can find a way. If you do want to work with someone one-on-one, I am taking both in-person and remote clients. So if you have questions, reach out to me, but it's really, really important when you're dealing with this stuff to just make sure that you're getting it under control because it totally is fixable with our diet and lifestyle. I will say a million times. So many diseases that we have in our country are diet and lifestyle driven. And, you know, I think a huge portion of those diseases start here at metabolic health and metabolic flexibility. So, um, so yeah, this is a topic I definitely am passionate about. And, and I think that more people need to be passionate about because it, it can make us more just stronger and resilient as a community. Uh, you know, we, we won't be as, we won't be a sitting duck to as these viruses and these long-term chronic diseases if we can all kind of do this and do our part to, to make ourselves healthy. And I think that that's, that's really where this comes is doing our part is, is taking care of your own terrain and, and making sure that that's in check. And I could, again, go on a soapbox for that for probably over an hour, but I'm going to leave it here. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you found value out of it. If you did, please let me know. Please shoot me a message on Instagram or, you know, tag me if you share this episode. I really, really appreciate it. I've been loving reading the reviews that you guys leave. And just, I love when you guys send me a message saying that, you know, that you, how much you enjoy listening to the podcast, because I, uh, I totally feel the same way with my favorite podcast. So that, that definitely makes me happy to hear. And it definitely makes my day every time you guys say something like that. So I just wanted to say thank you. And yeah, I will talk to you guys next week. Hope you found this helpful and cheers to being metabolically healthy and metabolically flexible. Woo! Hey.